welcome back to The Haunting Podcast. I'm your host, Tegan. And I'm Jordan. So Jordan, today, let me tell you why I am going to be able to speak very little and I know you are just going to go off on a tangent. Tell the crowd why. We're going back to your home. My home state of, of Maryland. Maryland. Maryland, my Maryland. Oh, how you love your Maryland. No, that's actually our state slogan. I stand by what I just said. <laughs> it's the fact that they it, had to it's a song, Maryland my Maryland. That's her state song and uh they had to cut it down cuz it was very uh slavery approved. Sounds about right. So they had to like change it up. You love it there though. It's beautiful. It is it is very pretty, although I will say I get sick every time we're there. Look, we try. We just like crabs. Everything else is just, you know, an afterthought. Yeah, it's not a great place when you are allergic to everything. Can't relate. Nobody, I'm sorry, not nobody. Nowhere is a is a great place, though, when you're allergic to everything. That's true. This it's is hard. why we stay home a lot. Anyways, since we are in Maryland today, I figured you had a lot to say. So Plenty. I figured I'd start with something short so that you can have your moment. Well, thank you. So I'm going to do the uh, Jericho Covered Bridge. The Jericho Covered Bridge was built in 1865. It is located in the Harford County, and it is one of the last remaining covered bridges in Maryland. Some parts of it have had to be reconstructed, but the bridge, bridge is mostly the same structure as it was when it was built. Which is pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. It's a very beautiful looking bridge. I've seen it before. I just doesn't sound like something I would actually want to drive on. It is essentially, it looks exactly like the bridge from Beetlejuice. See, I just don't really know if I want to drive on it. It's fine. Why Why wouldn't you want to? I don't like bridges. It's it literally I don't like a bridges. small bridge. Like the one you know what, Jordan? You know what's going to happen? I'm going to drive on that bridge. It's going to collapse. And then there's going to be like stones and all that stuff on top of me. Or I'm going to get washed away in the river. And you're never going to see me again. And then you're going to be like, well, I guess she was right. Maybe. Who knows? Let's find out. <laughs> Let's find out. I don't know about that. Um, So... There are reports of people's cars suddenly stopping while on the bridge. Like, it'll just be, like, dark. Just, mm -hmm. like, a dark... This is why I don't do bridges. Look, I mean, you're telling me that if I go out on this bridge at night... It is a super small bridge. It's good. My car is going to stop. It's just going to stall. That is the stories. These cars stall on the middle of this little bridge in the dark. Do you really want to play that game? Yes. You play that game. I, I, I'll stay home. You know what else you can do, Jordan, is you can put some uh, powder on the back of your car and, you know, drive up the hill. You know, when you come down, there'll be fingerprints. That was that was another thing that we... Uh... You know, so nice of them to try to clean the car. <laughs> is that what they're doing? They're trying to clean up the car? Yeah. So after you're done doing your little experiment with your little powder... If you look out, see if you can see the people hanging. What? There's another story of reports. I should say there's another report of just people seeing other people hanging from the bridge. So there are two theories or two legends as to why this might be. 
One legend is that of a couple who were forbidden to marry each other. Mm-hmm. So instead, they decided to unalive themselves together. It seems a bit dramatic. Very um, Romeo and Juliet. Yes. <laughs> or there is another one which is just as dark and just as sad is they were slaves who were found and hung over the bridge. So those are kind of the two stories of of those ones. Uh, you know, not a very active place per se but just a very interesting start and uh very interesting start short so that you can go on a a rant because i know you will i know you have something all right folks in your books let's get down to it then <laughs> this is a place i've been to numerous times it's probably the most famous landmark did not in hesitate all of maryland. did all of not maryland. hesitate i'm talking about fort mchenry for those who don't know somehow Fort McHenry is the most famous fort in Baltimore. It began its life in 1798 and was named after the Baltimore native and Secretary of War, James McHenry, with the purpose of defending the ever-increasing port of Baltimore. Fort McHenry played a pivotal role in American history for having defended Baltimore's harbor in the War of 1812 from an onslaught by the British Navy. It was during that siege that Francis Scott Key, while on board one of the British naval ships, Witnessed Fort McHenry withstand the shelling throughout the night, and the fort's flag remain standing throughout all of it. That is uh, one sturdy flag. It was very sturdy. It was a very sturdy fort. It was a very sturdy for- fort as well. Oh, yeah. But for the flag to keep going, mm, well, go flag. Yeah. Very impressive. Moved him. He was so moved by the sight that he wrote the poem entitled Defense of Fort McHenry, which would later be named the Star-Spangled Banner. Oh my goodness. And that's, that's actually something I did not know. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's wow. when you when you when you sing the national anthem, it's about the, the perseverance of Fort McHenry. Since then, Fort McHenry has become a national monument and an image to American pride and perseverance again. Since it's the site of such a famous conflict, Fort McHenry has since been a hotbed of supernatural activity. One famous ghost is that of private John Drew. I'm just saying, if you're getting like pelted by cannons and other such things, because you know there was more than just cannons. Oh yeah. Uh, throughout the night, I imagine there might have been at least a couple deaths, and I imagine it would stir up some good hauntings. Oh yeah, especially because you know a lot of people died during that conflict. Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, John Drew was a soldier who was confined to a prison for falling asleep on duty. Ashamed by this, Private Drew stole his his guard's gun oh God. and ended up shooting himself. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was a little bit dramatic. Very dramatic. But, you know, since then, many have reported seeing his ghost pacing endlessly in the place where he was caught sleeping on duty. Jesus. He's just not letting himself arrest. He's, he's not. Since then, many have reported seeing his ghost pacing endlessly in the place where he was caught sleeping on duty. He can also be seen in his cell, trapped in his own guilt, and looking for a way to absolve himself of that error he made so, so long ago. That's so sad. That is sad. That's just terrible. I hope someone, like, helps him move on. I hope so, too, but unfortunately, he has a lot of company in Fort McHenry. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Since then, another ghost is actually Lieutenant Levi Claggett. A 34-year-old man who was killed along with some of his men when a bomb exploded in their gun emplacement. All right, just right there where his gun was. 
that wait, like so it was a a bomb blew up where his gun yeah, probably was. Probably like a cannon. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the cannon wheel broke off and caused the cannon to fall and crush Claggett. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Not oh. A, not a good way. Not a good way. It gets worse. Uh, oh, God. In a morbid twist, some of his friends dug up the shrapnel and kept them as souvenirs. Different time back then. No. Time. Could you imagine? I would be pissed. I would haunt that Wait, place. did they dig it out of his body? Yeah. It's a different time. <laughs> Now a ghostly Claggett walks around the top of the bastion, still clad in his uniform that he died in. Many mistake him for a reenactment actor, but every time someone sees them, they're always surprised to find that none were scheduled those days. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And because, like a few episodes ago, we had to talk about uh, Ladies in White, Fort McHenry also has one as well. It's I had always to a Lady in White. Always had to add it in. There is also a ghost described as a white figure of a woman famously known as the Hostel Ghost. <sighs> Reportedly, this ghost takes her sorrow out on the living. That's really rude. It is rude. It's also reported that she has pushed unsuspecting people down flights of stairs. Okay, look, I know you might be upset about your death, and I know that it probably was not a pleasant way to go, but there is isn't. absolutely no reason to be getting physical, okay? Well, she also knocks people out. Gee, okay. I mean, the hostile, the hostile part of her name came from someplace, right? I mean, I, I guess she is hostile. It's <laughs> would want to encounter. It is believed she might have been the wife of an officer assigned to the fort and whose children died during the Spanish flu of the 1920s. Oh, that's sad. It's sad. That's she's she's beating what people the, up. She she's, decides to take her grief out on, on people just, like you and me, you know, she's the just living over here, like punching people and knocking them out. It's not fair. That's really rude. That's you know what? I can't even fight back. How are you supposed to fight back with that? Hell, if I know, I mean, like with sage, I guess holy water. Sage the evil energy away. Sage it. All right, that's all I got for Fort McHenry. Oh wow! So that was uh that was a lot, Jordan. To be honest with you, you can make an entire episode out of that one as well. I could. There's there's many instances. So have you heard of the Hayden House? I have. It's in Ellicott City. Ellicott City, it is. It is in Ellicott City. Beautiful um, place. So the Hayden House is also known as the Oak Lawn. It's a sm- just like a small stone structure that was built back in the early 1800s. The owner was Edwin Parson Hayden. He was the first county clerk in Ellicott City. So he lived in this house with his wife and six children until his death. But many people have lived there since. So today it's now part of the Howard County courthouse offices i spent my child i spent a portion of my childhood there really yep columbia oh like you lived there did you get to see the house uh we went to ellicott city maybe like a few times but nothing like uh it was more like passing through but the house is on main street so did you drive past it yeah is it pretty ellicott city as a whole is pretty yeah but is that house pretty i'm sure i i vaguely recall it being blue you mean that as oh I don't. That wasn't the color I was, I was expecting. I, I, but are you telling me, Jordan, that as a small child, you did not sit there looking out the window, observing the architectural structure of this building? No, I was probably face deep in like my Game Boy. Oh, makes sense. <laughs> um. So 
clerks and secretaries have reported lights turning on and off by themselves, a coffee pot that would heat up even when it's unplugged, the sounds of footsteps in unoccupied parts of the building, a rocking chair that moves by itself, and apparently there was a staff member that came to work a little bit early one morning, and she saw a man through the glass panes of the front door, which is a big no. No, that's a huge no. That is a call to police. That's a call handed my resignation. Okay, but you know, no, I'm calling the police first and making sure that it's not some kind of intruder. That's <laughs> true, too. If there's no intruder, I'm handing in my res- resignation. I'm not showing up to no ghost man I mean, sitting there at the intra- entrance of my work. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I also not. I'm not sitting there in a quiet room one day and sit and just gonna watch a rocking chair mysteriously start rocking back and forth. I'm not doing any of that, and I'm not having no fire hazard with a coffee pot that is heating up on its own. There's <laughs> be, so much I'd wrong be with staring it. at it, but like I would be like not okay at the same time. Jordan, you'd probably put some cold water in a coffee pot and some like coffee grounds and like put it all together and just wait for it to heat up and see what happens. Then drink it. I mean, you're implying that I'm sticking around. I am implying that, yes. <laughs> That's not true. I'm half black. So, um I love this next part. The most commonly reported strange events have been the smells of soup, bacon, and eggs that would waft through the building during the day and into the night. The ghosts were known as cooking ghosts. Okay, cooking ghosts is okay. I'm cool with cooking ghosts. We need so many more of these silly ghosts like we've been reading lately because these like we've been seeing lately because these guys are just it's wonderful it's been so good and fun having like a silly like what was it a few episodes ago the bagpipe ghost bagpipe ghost or the air when we did the arizona with the dude from the 1980s i can't get over that hanging meat off the freaking ceiling (laughs) meat man meat man the butcher who would hang off, uh, who would hang the meat off the ceilings. So that was that was like, the I would highlight get it of if it my was like life. The eight, like the eighteen eighties, but like the eight nineteen eighties, bro, meat man. What are you doing? He's he is drying meat his own way, baby. He, he's trailblazing. <laughs> I'll say that much. All right. So I have my my last story for you. This is Point Lookout Lighthouse. Ooh, I like lighthouses. I do, too. I love lighthouses. They're very pretty. Very. On May 3rd, 1825, the federal government decided that a lighthouse was needed at Point Lookout to warn ships of the shoals and mark the entrance to the Potomac. Lighthouses are needed in a lot more places because they just need to be looked at more. Oh, and especially in Maryland. We have a lot of rivers. They appropriated $1,800 for the project. After a lengthy battle with the landowner, Jennifer Tyler... Over a fair price for such a small, barren piece of ground, really. They just didn't want to give it up. No, of course not. The government finally settled on eleven fifty, a considerable sum at the time. Due to the cost overruns for the land, Congress appropriated $4,500 on May 23, 1828, and awarded a contract on July 22, 1830 to John Donahue for thirty-three fifty. A lot of math going on here. 
Yeah, I got lo- a little lost there. I'm not going to lie on the, just, all the math. Just money happening to make this lighthouse you know, happen. That, it's already an issue. That's okay? fine. The point is the, the lighthouse is now open. Right. <laughs> right. The lighthouse was built before the deed to the land was obtained. Apparently, Jennifer Taylor offered to sell the land for a lower price if he had been named the first keeper. Jennifer Taylor and his wife, Elizabeth, were buried in what was now a picnic area of the park. He did become the keeper. Oh, that's kind of sweet. It is kind of sweet. During the Civil War, the lighthouse was a prisoner of war camp. And oh, around okay, 3, and then 000... we just take that dark turn. <laughs> All right. Well, we need to get to the hot things. <laughs> it was a POW camp, and around 3,000 people had died on its ground during the time. Obviously, at that time, POW camps weren't the greatest of places. Let me just say this. We just went from, look, this beautiful couple got buried in this lovely park. And then people I imagine died. I imagine it was like a like around a willow tree and there's like floating little fairies and, and like like fireflies and shit all around. It's like an absolutely gorgeous area and then all of a sudden civil war. It's just why. Yeah, but apparently they had the picnic grounds was good enough to have you know, a bunch of prisoners of war, and apparently 3,000 of them died. Well, because of that, many That's great. reported... <laughs> That's great. I'm glad we did this. So glad. Because of that, many people have reported seeing ghosts dressed in Civil War attire roaming the grounds. Unexplained shadows seem to move from room to room. Late-night campers have claimed to see a ghost of a Civil War soldier sitting on a porch. He then paces back and forth as if guarding the property. Very, very nice of him. Several unexplained. I mean, it's the least he can do after just completely ruining these people's like sanctuary. Well, I mean, with prisoners of war. Who knows? He could have been a Confederate soldier. He was probably a dick. Okay. (laughs) Great that you can rationalize this. (laughs) Several unexplained images have appeared in photographs, the most well known being that of the ghost of Point Lookout. Taken during a seance in the lighthouse in the late 70s, in the photograph... Why would you put a se- What? Are the, why are these people asking to be haunted? Let's get the Ouija boards out. Let's I do mean, a seance. We're, we're doing what is a wrong with you guys? About this. So there's, you know, obviously it's interesting. I mean, like, I get it, but why are you sitting there? You know, like, it's one thing when we're just like, people have seen it. People have done it. It's another thing when they're like, people were purposely calling out for this thing in a seance. What is wrong with people? Just Don't trying purposely. trying to have a good time in the, set, in the 70s. Just, it's, it's groovy, man. It's like, why would you ever use a Ouija board? Why would you 70s. ever do a seance? You know what? My mother lived during the 70s and she would not ever touch a Ouija board. Ouija boards wow. were not allowed. Rare breed. Ouija boards were not allowed in our house. Ouija boards are not allowed in this house. There's nothing with a Ouija board on it allowed in this house. It is the same for my brother's house. It is the same for my sister's house. I'm going to have to disagree. I don't mind some Milton Bradley in this house. These people, this is exactly why you get haunted. Nah. Do you want to be haunted? Because this is exactly, do you want ghosts? Because nah. this is exactly how you get ghosts. Nah, we're going to be fine. <laughs> Anyways, well, go on. In the photograph, Laura Berg, a former lighthouse resident, stands in the center holding a candle. To her left, the foggy form of a man in soldier garb, weapon sash, and one leg casually crossed over the other. Interestingly, this image was not noticed by those attending the seance. It was seen only later. You know, I, I just got to say, I'm a little bit upset with this one. Mm. I mean, 
She used to live there, and there's actually more stories with her. I actually have another one from oh, her. Oh, my goodness. All right, let's hear it. Let's hear what happened to this poor woman as she's just right. trying to live her life. And I'm just going to quote her Performing little... seances. Oh, yeah. She uh, actually wrote down a story, which I have. And this is a quote from Laura Berg. All right, let's, let's hear it. When I heard the Point Lookout Lighthouse was available for lease, I jumped at the chance to be able to live in a lighthouse. Can't blame her. I called the Point Lookout State Park office and scheduled an appointment to view the interior of the lighthouse. Believe it or not, I had not visited nor had I heard of the park prior to moving to St. Mary's County in 1978 from Baltimore. I met two park rangers in November 1979 and they took me to look at the north side of the lighthouse. I was it was absolutely beautiful with a view of the water from every window. There were six spacious rooms, box windows, hardwood floors and beautiful wallpaper. Rent was also very appealing, a mere $65 a month, which included electricity. Oh, damn. Okay. Let's right. go. It also included heating oil, which would be her responsibility. After viewing the house, the rangers snickered a bit and happened to mention, you know, that the house was haunted. Oh, just this, just this small fact here. <laughs> of course, I thought they were joking, but I wasn't going to let that stop me from moving into this magnificent place. I moved in on December 6, 1979. On the evening of December 7th, after retiring for the evening, I heard footsteps walking up and down the hallway outside of the bedroom door. It sounded like heavy shoes with thick heels or it was boots. And that is when I tell them that I'm returning my deposit and I'm leaving. <laughs> I know. Here's my... Like $65 deposit. Yeah, right. <laughs> they just kept walking up and down. My immediate thought was, I guess this place is haunted, but I did not feel frightened at all. I also noticed that the middle room, which was a guest room, had a strong odor in the evening. It smelled like something was dead in the room. Oh, my. Okay, no. Not appealing. Like, what do not you appealing. mean? She's just like, this didn't bother me at all. <laughs> the, the smell of death in a room. I guess. <laughs> I... However, in daylight, the odor would just disappear. No. I scrubbed and waxed the floor thoroughly and used air fresheners to no avail. I had overnight guests stay in the room on December 6th, but they did not notice anything. As of January 14th, 1980, the odor was still noticeable. No. On January 14th, Dr. Hans Holzer and his group of investigators came from New York to study the Point Lookout area as well as the lighthouse. When they went into the guest room, the smell was mentioned. One of the mediums reported that she felt sick in the room and actually got chills. She felt very cold and began feeling this way when just walking around the room. She said that someone had experienced agony in this room. She felt someone had been held against their will. The medium could not determine if the person was a man or a woman. The investigative group speculated whether any prisoners from the Civil War may have been held here, but Gerald Sword, Point Lookout State uh, Park Superintendent, reported that there was no evidence that this occurred. It was also mentioned that in the 1800s, if someone was retarded or mentally ill or just plain ill, they were sometimes kept out of sight or in a locked room. This is also a possibility of what might have gone on. All I know is that after that night, the odor disappeared. How convenient. Wow, that was some quote. Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of the quote. Yeah, that, um, you know, just know. 
It sounds so good. Everything sounded so great up until like, yeah, the, the smell. Foot, the, the, you know, I could even get past the footsteps. It's the smell for me. The it's smell the of smell death. smell for me that would have been terrible. Yeah, it's the smell of death for me. And, you know, if I was the guest of that house and you were telling me that and you're like, did you notice anything last night? I'd be like, you put me in a room. I'd be like, how could you do this to me? Exactly. You put me in a room that supposedly smells like death. Like, what is your problem? What did I do for you? to you? Why do you hate me? Yeah, I'd be... I'd be pretty upset as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the stories we have this week. Yeah, I think uh, I think that just about does it for tonight. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night. Have a good night. This has been The Haunting Podcast. You can check out our website at thehauntingpodcast.com for show notes and other extras. Thank you for listening, and have a good night. <laughs>